You're listening to the Utah Checkdown Podcast. And now your host, Josh Furlong. Welcome back to another edition of the Utah Checkdown Podcast. I'm Josh Furlong. My co-host, uh, Robert Jackson, is away for the day, but I am joined today with University of Utah wide receiver Solomon Ines. Solo, what's going on? What's going on? It looks like it's just us two today. That's right. We're going we're gonna to make this work, right? Even if, even if uh, Rob was the glue that holds us together. Yeah, we're going to miss Rob, but we'll see, him. we'll see him pretty soon. That's right. So, ah, man, there's so much that we could talk about, but first off... You played in the game. You're healthy again. You're able to get back. But how do, how do you how do you like recap everything that happened on Saturday? I mean, where do you start? Uh, let me start with beginning of the week. So, uh, like you said, starting to get healthy again. Um, but I, I texted my coach. I texted Coach Bump. And I was like, I'm not missing this game. Like I, I knew this game was going to be huge, and you know, I, my prediction was correct. Uh, you know, going into the game. Atmosphere was insane. Everyone in the stadium was insane. The environment was crazy. Played a great, great team of uh, USC and, you know, came down to the wire. And, man, it's just definitely one of my top games as a Ute. And I think it was a lot of people's top games as well from player and fans at that standpoint. I think uh, it was our first podcast that we did with you. We talked about some of our favorite venues or some of our favorite games. Where Where do you put this game uh, in terms of all of the games that you've played at the U? I was actually talking to JD after the game about this. So my, well, I'm not going to put a limit on it, but BYU 2018 was a crazy game when Shelly brought us on the comeback. Um, obviously, Oregon was crazy. At UW, at Washington was crazy 2019. So Oregon both times last year, 2019 UW, and then this definitely ranks one or two, the USC game this past week, and that definitely ranks one or two for me. Which is crazy because, I mean, this this matchup has been pr- pretty electric for most of the time that, that Utah's been in the Pac-12. This is the first time ever since you guys have been in the conference that Utah's won back-to-back years. I mean, obviously, this is this is the game that you know you guys have circled forever. I'm I'm assuming USC is probably circled as well, especially since you guys were picked to win the conference. What what does this game mean to you guys, just from a, a player standpoint? Does it mean something differently, even though like yeah, it's only one game as part of the equation? Yeah, I think it was just because even before the conference switched to that best team in the Pac-12, like the best top two teams play the championship, it was always the North and the South, so it always came down to. The championship always came through USC or Utah, I feel like. I feel like USC was always top or Utah was always top. So that game was always big, especially if it was early in the season because that set the standard for a lot of teams in the South. Um, obviously, you have like UCLA and ASU that always make a run as well. But for us, you know, USC's always been like one of those games where, I mean, it's going to be a big turnout no matter what. Even if, you know, we were ranked 20 and they were ranked number seven, like we knew this game was going to be big because it's home game. And that's just one of those games even the fans know like, that's a game that we would like to win, you know, and I think every year we look forward to it and, you know, there's no difference with this one. Obviously there's a lot of reasons you guys wanted to win this game. I mean, obviously you want to win every game, but you had, you know, a, a, a tough loss to UCLA. I, I don't believe you traveled to that one. Did you? 
No. Okay, that's what I thought. So, you, you mm-hmm. know, you obviously don't, you, you know, you're, you're kind of you're trying to get back from that. You want to win to be able to stay in, in the race and in the, in the competition. But then on top of that, you're wearing helmets specially designed, you know, to commemorate your, your fallen teammates. How, how do you kind of put all that into it without overshooting it? Because it's real easy to, especially the way that that game started, it's real easy to say, okay, look, we this, this is not a good day for us. You know, this isn't going to go well. We've, we were trying to do this to honor our teammates, and this could be honestly the worst way that we could go about doing this. H- how do you kind of stay in that moment and realize, look, you know, this is what we're fighting for, and, and this is what we're trying to do? Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's, there, there is a lot of outside noise, and, you know, it's all about simplifying things down. And, you know, the biggest thing was, you know, we had to win this game. Going into it, like, we, we had to. There was no other option, even if, the first half didn't go well. We knew we had to win that game. Plus, it was like a feeling of, you know, I talked to a couple of guys like Theo texted me and talking to guys on the team. It's like we had those helmets on. Like, there's no way you should lose in those helmets. Like, it, it wouldn't feel right if you lost in that helmet, you know. And um, I believe, you know, Alo and Ty were with us that night. And, you know, we just had to get the job done. I think there was a lot more than just winning the game and advancing in the, in the conference, you know, trying to push for the, the championship. There was more to it. You know, uh, Alo and Ty's family came out, um, big game on Fox. Like there's a lot of stuff to it, but at the end of the day, it was just, we had to win this game. We had those helmets on. There's no way we should lose with those helmets on. It's funny. Cause I think I did see Theo, uh, tweeting during the game. He was a little frustrated the way it started. And he's like, you guys can't do this in these helmets. And I mean, that that's obviously gotta be, Got to be tough, right? Because you, you want to honor them the right way. And, and not that, you know, winning a game is necessarily the, the only way that you can honor them. But I think just with the momentum and the mo- mentality of everything that was going on, I mean, that, that had to be a pretty emotional ride. Knowing that last year, obviously, for you guys, is probably a much bigger toll. But that, that still, today or Saturday, excuse me, uh, probably had to be a pretty emotional toll. Yeah, and, and when I say, like, we can't lose while wearing those helmets, it's not in the sense of, oh, they're painting on our helmets, like, we can't lose, like it's more than just the image of, you know, them on our helmets or them around the stadium. You know, these were guys that were our brothers in the locker room and showed up with us on Saturdays and were there through the dog days throughout the week. And now they're not here with us anymore. And that was more of the helmet, you know, reminded us of that. You know, we see it every day and we, and we go through every day always thinking about them, but that was like the biggest symbol, like how, wasn't necessarily like, oh, let's win because we have them on. It's like, let's let's make them proud in a sense that they can't be here, but let's do it for them if they were, you know? No, that makes that makes perfect sense. I mean, I think that that's just hard. I mean, I, you know, watch, watching how it goes, you know, I obviously get to interact with you guys and be able to talk with you and, and being able to talk with them, you know, before they're passing, you know, it's, it's, it's different. It's surface level, right? But even in terms of just being able to see guys that, you know, have succeeded on the field and done well. I mean, that's, that's, that's tough. And I can't even imagine what you guys went through last year. Um, and then to, to have to you know go through all that in the middle of a season and then, you know, to have that success and then to kind of feel like you have to continue to honor that name. And I, and look, I, I know you guys want that, right? I don't think that this is one of those things that uh, it, it's a burden to you because I know this is something that's, it's really cool. It's kind of been this cool thing that's happened at Utah in terms of the, the, the response to it, right? The moment of loudness and everything like that. I think for me watching that it's turned into a cool tradition to be able to honor the people that have passed on. I mean, do you still kind of get those, those same kind of feelings every time you see that moment of loudness? Oh yeah. I get goosebumps every single time. 
I, you know, it's just the thought of the thought that I have across my mind is how like they were here at one point and everyone was just so close with them. And now like, you know, they're gone. Like it's, it's more than just the human body. It's, it's a soul. It's a person that was here that was impacting so many lives without you even knowing it. And, you know, when they're, you know, passing on, it's just watching the, watching the video, seeing the photos, seeing how much they reached out and touched people's lives without them probably not even knowing, you know, it, it's, it's heartwarming, I guess you could say in the sense, yeah, you wish they were here, but how much they impacted so many people's lives. And then now everyone else is now everyone like the Utah family is being brought into it of fans that gave their love and support to our program. They're being honored as well. You know, it's just, a, it's a great collective and uh, you know, I get goosebumps every time. And I think, especially right before the fourth quarter, that gives me an extra boost, you know, just like a subtle reminder, like this is why we're doing it. And this is why we got to do it. You know, I have to imagine that, you know, that, that becomes quite a competitive advantage for all these guys that, that knew them, right. Is it, you know, you're going into the, the most pivotal quarter of the game uh, anytime at home. And, and, and that kind of serves as kind of this rallying cry of sorts to be able to help. And, it, to, to me, it was kind of one of those things where, you know, USC was, you know, really humming along. Everything was going well for them on offense. Uh, and, and then, you know, the university honored, you know, the moms and, and kind of gave them their helmets and everything like that. And it felt like there was like this tone shift in the game. Not that everything was still perfect, you know, right? Obviously, there's still things that you guys had to overcome. But there was this tone shift that, that allowed everybody to kind of realize, okay, this is what we're doing, right? We're going to get the pregame jitters away, and now we're going to go back into it. And it seemed like that mixed with the moment of loudness just seemed like it really kind of amplified you guys. I, I don't know if you guys see that or feel that or anything like that, but uh, at least uh, as an observer of the game and, and kind of watching how the crowd reacted, that's kind of my takeaway from it. I don't know. Do you have a different interpretation of that? No, I would agree. I mean, you were saying it even, I guarantee you the people in the stands, if they felt a shift, everybody felt a shift. You know, I think, you know, we're down there playing the game, but you guys feel it just as much as we do, you know? So I, I mean, yeah, it's an advantage. Yeah, it's, you know, but I don't know. I just, I think it just makes you realize because you get so caught up in like football, here's a play, here's what you got to do. But there's more to it. Like you're with these guys day in, day out. And you, sometimes you get, it makes you realize how much you get caught up in the daily routine and not really cherish much or understand, you know, you get caught up and there's just a lot of moving parts and you're just a robot sometimes. But moments like that, when it's like genuine and humane and, you know, there's passion involved. It, you know, it really brings you down back to earth. And I think when you have a clear mind in that sense, it really brings the best out of you. So I think, you know, overall, you know, just the team felt it, the people in the stands felt it. So, you know, there's, there's no miscommunication on that, you know, it's there, it's real. And, you know, I, I truly enjoy it. That's awesome. I mean, I think, I think it's, it's, it's fun to be able to see it and to be able to kind of see the momentum that it brings, but a lot of things that I've seen also from the fans this week, you know, kind of talking on Twitter, a lot of people were talking about how electric that, that stadium was. A lot of people were excited about it. Do you feel like that that was the, the loudest environment you've been in in terms of Rice-Eccles Stadium or my, my next competitor, and I have to still think it's the top, is Britton Covey taking it back against Oregon? I mean, where, where do you kind of rank that? So definitely when Covey took it back, that was, a lot, like, that was pretty loud. SC was really loud this past weekend. I, I can't complain. I think I think top three, because I probably can't pick one, but SC, Oregon last year, and then BYU 2018. Mm. Those were like the loudest three for me, in my opinion, just because, you know, all those games were crazy. Um, 
But definitely, I think if you see it, like if you're watching the TV copy, SC and Oreo are the loudest because you can start seeing the screen shaking every or the camera shaking. It's, it, it's so crazy to see it, but it happens. So, you know, I can't really pick one, but I definitely agree that last year's Oregon was probably just as loud as this year's USC. I'm just happy that I didn't have the USC fight song stuck in my head on this morning. I saw you tweet that this morning. (laughs) Honestly, every time, because I remember, I don't know if Coach Witt still does it, but he'll like, he used to play like the the fight song and on the loudspeakers as loud as he possibly could to try to, you know, mess with uh, practice. And so you go to practice and you hear that. And then we'd go to the game on Saturday. And I felt like I had that fight song stuck in my head for like two weeks straight. So it was nice. Just every day. (laughs) Uh, I didn't really hear much during the game. I didn't, I mean, you tend to start blocking stuff out like that when you're locked in. Like I don't really hear much of it until the play is over. So I didn't, were they playing it a lot? I would like, I'm not, I'm not sure. I, I heard it once, honestly. Like when I went down to the oh. field in that fourth quarter, but I think the, uh, it's kind of where the university tucked them up really high up in the stadium. That's what I was going to ask you because weren't people tweeting that like Utah put the band in like <laughs> the top, top like corner or something like that? Look, I saw you, a lot of tweets about that, that too. You got to do that. I mean, yeah. Look, I don't think it's a competitive advantage, right? Like USC's fight song, but I think it just annoys fans. And so I think putting them up there, I, I think it helped. I don't know. It was fun. Yeah, all I know is that that's above my pay grade. So, <laughs> you, wait, you don't this, the the leadership team doesn't decide uh, where the fan or the band goes? No, absolutely not. <laughs> no, that that's not our call. We we keep everything in house, and we just you know do our job. That's it. <laughs> I would, I would love a scenario where the football team's dictating where, you know, different people sit from visiting fans and others. Sitting down know. with Coach Witt every week. Hey, what do you guys want to ban this week? No, we're not feeling it. No, there ain't no way we can do I I couldn't do that. It's like, what are we talking about a ban for? You know, like, don't get me wrong, though. Like, those bands, like, when it's, cl- like, crunch time, and I can't even hear them on games like an SEC, Pac-12. Like, you just hear them blaring. Like I can see how it can be like a an advantage for mm-hmm. sure though. Don't get me wrong. No, you know? I, I agree. I, I think it's kind of fun. I mean, it it's it's part of the the kind of fun of college football, right? Is it, you, that's you, what I was, I was gonna say that too. You don't get that in the NFL. I mean, NFL is definitely mm-hmm. a professional game and it's a different venue. But so I you know I think it's fun. It's 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 fun to see kind of what people fight on Twitter about. So I don't know. Definitely, and I mean, even if I mean, if there's any band people listening, like that. Ben isn't easy either, you know. So I give credit to all of them, especially like halftime, this, that, and the other. Like, and they're committed just as much as we are. So, like, I'm not gonna even tell them where to sit. You guys do what you got to do, and whatever our band is doing, kudos to them because they're doing a great job. I want to see you out on the drum line. You know, go out there and uh, hit up some beats and and really bring the. I used to play. Vibe. I used to play trombone in sixth oh, grade. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Nobody really knows that, but. I used to play the trombone in sixth grade, so if they need a, a substitute during halftime, <laughs> the six-year-old or sixth-grade Salamaninas comes yeah, in. Yeah, I'll be no, I'll be getting. I would trip all over the place because they have all those like synchronized lines and step in, and uh, I, I they'd probably be yelling at me because I don't know where I'm going, so I'm cool off that. <laughs> I had a I had a friend growing up that he was he was really he, he wasn't the like quote-unquote band nerd or whatever like that but he he did play in the band and and he got really geeked out about some of those different things like the drum lines and the different things of how they they you know move mm-hmm. and i it was all over my head i i don't know but you know no it, it, it's if fun. you watch those videos they do go crazy though oh yeah like they have some good people so but yeah we're what? not gonna pick where the band is <laughs> 
No. All right. Well, let's go back to the game then, I guess. Uh, you know, going back to when you were a recruit, you know, you're being, you know, flown around the country. You're bringing, coming in on official visits. And I know it's changed a little bit since, since the time that you were being recruited. But do, do games like that really kind of have an influence on, on you as a recruit? It, it, do you want to see that? Or is it just kind of more <clears throat> a, a, as an overall package? Um, I think games like that really do um, influence people's decisions for sure, during, especially during recruiting. Uh, you know, especially for Utah, I mean, they have such a good staff. They have great people here, so it's always genuine. Um, so you're going to get a great trip out of that most of the time, and then you have a great game along with it. And depending on your position, what you see, if you can see yourself playing here, playing this, playing that, you know, it can all tie in. Plus, obviously, the environment of the stadium, because you're going to be playing in the stadium. When people see that we're always packing the stands and it's always going to be loud and you never have to worry about that. It's always going to be a great, memorable environment to play in. That all ties in and that definitely can sell a recruit. Which, which is, is pretty great on nights like that, right? I mean, it it can it can help and be able to, to bring those guys in. And, and, and look, there's so many things that go into recruiting right now, but I think having a good environment like that probably... Mm-hmm definitely helps in, in that regard. So, uh, Oh yeah, definitely. So with, with this game, obviously you, you had, you know, two of your teammates that just, they had career days. You had uh, Cam Rising and Dalton Kincaid that just kind of went off. I mean, what, what's it like to be able to kind of watch them? I know you were, you were on the field. I think it was, was it the two point conversion or the cam run where you were blocking your life off to be able to, to kind of make sure that Cam could get into the end zone? It was the two point. I wouldn't say blocking my life off, but I just try to get in the way so Thick Boy Seven can, you know, get around and get in. So, um, but yeah, I mean, we all knew Cam has has and had the potential to do that. Uh, Dalton has always been a key contributor to our team and our offense. And, you know, we've been leaning on him since Brant got hurt. Um, and, you know, he showed up and, you know, I mean, there's not much to say. I mean, I'm that's what I expected those guys week in, week out. And, you know, they can do it. And like I say, it's just it's it's your role week in, week out. If we need you to throw the ball, if we need you to throw five touchdowns for over 500 yards, Cam, then this week, then you're going to have to do it. And he's going to do it. Or if Dalton needs to catch 16 targets for 234 yards, he's going to do it. You know, I think that's anybody on our team. We have a lot of guys that can do that, especially them too. You know, they've been consistent contributors for us. And obviously, Cam's a great leader and great quarterback for our team. Um, but, yeah, I think the competitive side of me is, like, that's to be expected from them because, I mean, I have high expectations for those two. I think coming into a game like that, you know, a lot of the national media is going to pay a lot of attention on Caleb Williams. He obviously is a high recruit, <laughs> comes from uh, Oklahoma, and, and a lot of people are, are interested in him as a, as a Heisman contender or whatever you want to call it. But then you go into that game, and, and don't get me wrong, he, he was phenomenal for USC, but Cam came in there and, and really just kind of stole the show, especially late in the game. Do you, do you feel like Cam is, is one of those players that's kind of underrated in terms of, of his play, or do, do you think that even matters? I mean, what, what do you kind of see from Cam and in, in, in how his perception is nationally? Uh, I definitely think Cam is one of the top quarterbacks in the nation, 100%. I mean, I, I retweet, stuff, uh, retweet stuff about him all the time like that. And that's just my humble opinion. I mean, at the end of the day, you just got to take it day by day, week by week. Cause I mean, most of this, most of the news coverage and stuff is all hype until it gets down to the wire. And it's like, all right, let's pull out the, the sheet, the the numbers and see what's going on. And then you're like, Oh, who's this guy? Then you go back and watch it. And it's like, Oh wow. He's been here the whole time. Um, 
you know, I think Cam is definitely one of the top in the nation. And I mean, like I said, he just, he does his, he does his job. If they ask him to do something, he's going to do it to the best of his abilities. And, you know, his la his performance a couple of days ago shows that, you know, and um, even if, you know, even if it doesn't get national publicity and stuff, it will, it'll all, ha everything happens for a reason and it'll all come out. He just, I know, I, I know he thinks, I know that if he just takes it the way he's doing it week by week, day by day, it'll all pay off for him. And, you know, I'm happy and, you know, and, and grateful for him to be on our team and the quarterback and leader of our team. He, he doesn't seem like one of the flashy guys out there that, you know, is trying to bring all the attention to him. You know, he, he, he seems like the, the quiet worker that, that kind of gets it done that way. Is, is that kind of how you see him as well? Or, or what's kind of take us behind the, the curtain a little bit with him? Yeah. I mean, he's a cool laid back fun guy, like everybody knows, but I think he, his, his swagger comes from his game. He's not really going to do the flashy stuff, but the stuff that looks flashy is just him being normal. Like it's not in the sense of it being too extra or doing it for attention. Like, when he, you know, that's just his swagger. The way he moves, just it it moves people around. Like it moves the room, you know, and it shakes the room. So I think that's just how he is. I mean, he's a laid back, fun guy with smiling, laughing, cracking jokes. But when it's time to lock in, you know, his game does the talking. That that seems to be the impression I get. He just seems like he's he's there to play football and 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 having a good time. So. Mm -hmm. So this is a bye week for you guys. Obviously, it's a much needed bye week. It it's been a, a long grind. What 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 does this week look for you guys? Um, getting everybody back to hundred percent because I mean we did have a pretty long stretch, but you know we're you know everyone's still intact, and um, it's just getting those guys healthy and making sure that we're fine tuning the details that we necessarily don't have the time to cover game week when we're going over installs or schematics and stuff like that. So this week's big on that. And then plus we get a head start on uh, looking at Wazoo for next week. And uh, yeah, I think just getting healthy, perfecting those details, and then getting a jump start on our opponent next week. A lot of people like to uh, grade teams midway through the season. How would you kind of assess your team overall, uh, give it a grade uh, going into the this halfway point? <sighs> you know, I don't, I, I don't know what grade to slap on it. Um, you know, it's kind of hard to do so. I think we have a great group, group of guys. And, you know, I I don't know if this is like just me having humility or I, I don't want to grade us too high, too low. But, you know, we're a great team. We have imperfections that we need to work on. Um, but, you know, we don't look too far ahead or look in the past. We just take it day by day. And, uh, you know, I think if we just keep, you know, that mindset week in, week out, I think we'll be great. So I don't know if I want to slap a grade on it. I know it. I know people would like to hear that, but, you know, I think we're a really good team and we just have stuff we need to work on like any other team in the country. Um, but, yeah, I think taking it day by day like we're doing and just being where our feet are, not looking too far ahead or too far behind, you know, I think that's going to set us up to be successful. No, I think that's perfect. I mean, grading yourself is kind of hard in that regard because it's always easy to say that, you know, you can look at it and say, oh, we're doing better than people think or we're not doing as well as people think, you know, and I, I think that's tough, but... Uh, you know, I, I to, in my eyes, you know, as I watch and cover you guys, I, f I feel like you guys are starting to really kind of hum along, especially on offense. You guys have figured it out. Things have, have been wor working well. Do you, do you feel like you guys have uh, have reached that point where you kind of are, have figured things out and, and that, you know, the best is still yet to come or, or kind of where do you where do you see this moving? I have a perfect answer to that question. Yes. Coach Ludd <laughs> in the meetings, he talked about um, Tomlin, I believe, from the Steelers. He said that football is an uncomfortable sport. Once you get comfortable, 
that's when it gets you. So I wouldn't say that we have we we got everything flowing and we know what we're doing just yet. I think week to week everything changes. We have a right idea of what we need to do, but you know things will change here and there. But there's always room to improve and get better. We're always chasing perfection, but you know, I mean, that's a life saying. We're never going to be perfect, but if we're chasing it and we do what we got to do, you know, the odds will play in our favor. So. I hope you're proud of that answer because I just thought of Coach. I hope Coach Led hears this because he'll be proud of me. Yeah, I, I think he's a loyal subscriber. I, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure yeah. that that's what he does on his his off moments is listen to this podcast. <laughs> uh, no, that was perfect. But uh, uh, you know, I honestly appreciate all the time that you come on here, and I think you give us some great insight and, and help us. But uh, you know, we're, we're we're gonna we're gonna cut today short a little bit. Uh, we we got to run, but uh, I appreciate you coming on again and, and being able to do this, and, and and we look forward to chatting with you again next week. So, uh, tell us what you're gonna be doing this week. You know what what what's going on? Uh, what I'm gonna do this week is a lot of homework, getting even more healthy, and start game planning for Wazoo. But I would like to say thank you for having me on. For people that are listening, get more people to subscribe so they can keep me on this weekly. Because <laughs> I love being here. I don't want to be booted off. I'm just kidding. It's, but no, it's thank a, you to everyone that supports. It's a risk. Make sure y'all share. Um, we wish Robert was here today, but he'll be with us next time. Uh, and then Josh, I pre- appreciate you as always. And uh, yeah, that's my my peace out right there. That's awesome. Do what the man says. Go follow along and subscribe to us. We appreciate it, man. Have a good week. Yes, sir. You too. Bye. Talk to you later. As always, we appreciate Solomoninas for joining us each week. Uh, it's it's a fun opportunity to be able to peel back the curtains and and kind of get his take on on how the team is is progressing and and what they're able to do. So uh, we look forward to to many more of those opportunities, especially as the season progresses. Um, but as as you know, we mentioned it's it's obviously the bye week. It's an opportunity for Utah to really heal up, get themselves fresh and ready for, you know, a difficult stretch against teams that that aren't necessarily going to be of that same caliber as uh, UCLA or uh, USC uh, or even Florida to that matter. I know Florida's really kind of gone into the the pots the last little bit, but they're, you know, they're a physical team. They're tough. Um, and so and those th- that so those three games that that really make it difficult for Utah to kind of uh, move forward and, and kind of get beat up and all that stuff. So it's it's going to be a great opportunity to really kind of focus and and, and get them uh, with a win on their 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 backs and, and and really move forward as they get into Washington State on on Thursday next week. Uh, and then you get Arizona and Stanford, which uh, you know Arizona's definitely improved and and we're seeing a lot of success uh, there with uh, Jaden Delore at quarterback. Stanford obviously gets a win over Notre Dame, which is still a little surprising. Um, but then you, you know, you're you're gearing up for that Oregon game, right? Like you can't be looking over these teams, and and especially with how uh, thin uh, the margin is here in the Pac-12, especially with an undefeated UCLA team. You know, USC just got their first loss. Oregon still doesn't have a loss in Pac-12 play. Uh, there, you know, it's it's going to be tough for Utah to be able to still get to the Pac-12 championship, and so they they've got to be able to to maintain that momentum that that they had from from winning USC, uh, and, and then they've got to carry that over in into these next steps. So, uh, but that that next step is Washington State, and that's going to be a difficult battle battle. You know, going up to Pullman, uh, there's many times where Utah's gone up there and, and you know, they were seemingly the better team and, and had a lot going for them, and, and then they, they leave Pullman with a, with a loss. So, you know, Washington State's definitely not a team to sleep on, and, and you can't let the other two teams after that 
uh, dictate kind of how your season goes. So this is one of those areas where, where I think it's going to be interesting to see how Utah to, um, performs. Uh, you know, for a while it seemed like they were kind of, you know, trudging along in some respects of, of being able to be effective and, and successful in what they were able to do, but then not fully get to where they needed to go. Uh, and, and I think that's, uh, an opportunity for them in this bye week to say, okay, here's here's a, a refocus on on our mindset and what we need to do, and this is how we need to be successful, right? And I think that's that's an opportunity to them to to recharge there. So, uh, you know, look for them next week to be you know to see how they they address that. You know, do they answer these questions that we have? I think one of the the main questions that I have moving forward in this season is. Still, obviously, the defense. I mean, I think there's there's things there that we you know we need to see. We need to see improvement. Uh, I you know I would argue that they they did perform better in the second half against USC and and uh, are improving. I think they're they're making their their steps necessary against you know quality opponents. Uh, you're going up against a, a Caleb Williams who was just honestly phenomenal. He, I mean, the the things that he was doing on the field was was really difficult for Utah to, to stop. Um, that doesn't mean that they can't be more assignment sound, and that doesn't mean that they can get more pressure on quarterbacks. It's just, you know, you're playing difficult quarterbacks that are going to make things uh, much more difficult in, in, in being able to assess where you need to go and, and maintaining the run and the pass game and, and everything there. But beyond that, I think for me, one of the biggest things that I want to look at is is the run game. I want to make sure, uh, you know, well, I can't make sure of it, right? But I want to I kind of uh, look at that, and, and that's kind of my question moving forward is, where does Utah go here, right? We've we've heard, uh, you know, uh, you know, from Kyle Whittingham about Tavion Thomas and kind of being accountable to the program. Uh, over the weekend, he's you know he's been tweeting that he's all in on the program and that he's he's ready to go. Um, I think that's that's what you need to see, right? You need to see Tavion really taking this serious and 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 really doing it because he is a he is a talent, right? I think he's got a lot of opportunities ahead of him if he can get it where it needs to be and, and really establish uh, kind of the lead dog mentality in that room. Uh, there, there's no question that when he gets on the field, he has the opportunity available to him to be able to be successful. We saw it last year in 2021. Uh, it's just a matter of being consistent, being healthy, you know, being uh, in shape and really doing what the coaching staff wants them, what they need to see from him to be able to stay on the field. Right. I think that's, that's kind of where they need to go. They've had success with Makai Bernard. Jaquindon Jackson is still learning. You're, you're getting guys in there that they've had success, but it, it's not to that level where he, you know, you're having a lead back like a, a Tavion Thomas who can really bulldoze that line and, and hit the gaps hard and, and, and escape for, for big yards. I think for me, that's been probably one of the most disappointing things to watch from this team in the, is the fact that they really haven't had much of a run game this year. Uh, there hasn't been, you know, some stellar performances in terms of, of chunk yardage, guys that are really escaping and, and breaking free for, for big yards. And, and that doesn't mean that, you know, that has to happen every week for Utah to be successful. But I think you, you're not seeing necessarily the balanced gameplay that Kyle Whittingham wants to see in a Utah team that, you know, he, he, he says that he wants to be able to have it more 50-50. In, in reality, Utah has been a little bit still more heavy towards the run, uh, maybe like 55, 56%, uh, somewhere around there. Uh, but again, on, on Saturday, I mean, Utah was 58% uh, driven towards the pass. And so, you know, you're, you're seeing a bit of a shift in what Andy Ludwig is able to do with the team, uh, trying to figure out what he can do. And it quite honestly took, you know, you know career, night, or career nights from 
uh, Cam Rising, as well as Dalton Kincaid, who caught 16 passes, all 16 passes uh, that were targeted towards him uh, for 234 yards. Phenomenal performance by a tight end and, and being able to, to really uh, own, the, own the field. Cam Rising obviously was a, a you know, Kyle Whittingham called him a warrior and, and uh, you know, the guy that, that they put their full trust in. So you're seeing an offense that's that's able to be effective, but they, I, you know, it looks like they need to have some balance out there and and really hone in on what they can do so that teams aren't aren't expecting them to do one thing over the other. If they can get a decent run game to go, I, I you know, I think this this Utah defense can drastically improve. They can be much more like they were last year, where when they get on the field, you you know almost every single time that they're going to score. It's one of those things that that has been kind of fun to watch for Utah, where in years past, there really wasn't uh, an offense that they went on the field and it was more you were you were kind of thinking about them going three and out than actually going down and scoring a touchdown. Maybe they got to the red zone. Maybe they did different things that way that that gave you some hope. But the reality is, is that there wasn't much there, and and it's improved over time. Tyler Huntley obviously took that team to new heights, and now Cam Rising's taking them to even higher heights. Um, but I mean, this is a team that that is not afraid to be able to to go down by a deficit. Obviously, it's not where they want to be. I don't think Kyle Whittingham is sitting there thinking, "Look, let's go down fourteen every time and try to fight our way back." But it's a team that's that's designed to be able to fight back any adversity, build points quickly. Utah managed five touchdown drives on six drives at the end of the game. And one of the, you know, the only time that they didn't get a touchdown was a fumble on the three yard line. So this is a team that, that is designed to be able to move the ball quickly. They've got, uh, you know, a great opportunity in the, in front of them and in terms of what they can still do this season. It's just a matter of being able to be balanced and, and, and really kind of owning in that way. But as we look to the to, to the season and, and, and kind of moving forward, you know, this this win on Saturday was really the opportunity for Utah to to reset and and do what they needed to to give them the momentum, the momentum and the belief that they can do what they need to to be able to get back to the Pac-12 championship game. Right. They're, they're not the same team that they were last year. They don't have a defense that can necessarily you know, keep them in the games the same way, but they've got a defense that's doing their best. They're rising together. They're, you know, they're improving. You've got a secondary that is, has stepped up most of the time to be able to do whatever they can to, to make it really difficult on teams. Obviously Clark Phillips, the third is, is, is lights out there and, and has a, a lot of opportunities to be able to pick off plays or, or make pass deflections. Cole Bishop, RJ Hubert, you've got guys back there, uh, JT Broughton, who's, who's obviously uh, done really well for the team as well. You've got guys there that, that are having a lot of success that, that are giving this defense an opportunity to be able to stay where they're at, right? There, there's you know situations where obviously the, the defense is getting burned and they're out of place still and uh, they still need to be a little bit more assignment sound. Um, but the reality is, is they're doing enough to be able to get by. And, and you know, against these next few opponents, that should be okay. Um, it, it's going to be a little bit more trouble maybe against Washington State and, and definitely Oregon. But, but Utah has an opportunity on their hands to be able to really look at game tape now and, and digest that for a week and, and, and just say, here's where we need to improve. Here's, here's what we have to do. And obviously the players have to respond. It's, it's really easy to say it's a bye week and we're just going to heal up and, and kind of put football to the side and focus on school, which is still important. But now they've got to be able to kind of double down in a, in a lot of respects, right? Utah's done what they've needed to to be able to stay in the conference race, but that doesn't mean that they can get 
off. I mean, you heard Solomon's quote about, you know, trying to stay, you know, competitive and, and, and fighting for it. You've got to be able to fight. You've got to be able to do that. And I think it'll be interesting to see what this Utah team is able to do. Do we get that fight or, or are we still going to kind of get a little uh, complacency at times to say, okay, we're a better team and, and so we should win this game? Uh, I, I, you know, I think there, the sky's to the limit for Utah here. You know, the playoffs are out of contention, and I don't know if that was ever really one of those things that, that was a realistic possibility given the way that other teams have played this year. But, but at the, the same vein, you're, you're giving yourself an opportunity to be back in the conference championship game, giving yourself an opportunity to continue to recruit at a high level when you've got recruits at, at USC's game, being able to, to see that environment and, and being able to be excited about what's going on. So uh, it, it's, I think there's a lot in Utah's advantage right now, and it's a great opportunity for them. But there's a lot of questions, right? Like, I'm, I'm, I've covered this team for a long time, and I don't think this is a team that uh, is one that I, I think is, you know, is unflawed or whatever. Like, they've, they've got some flaws, right? There's a lot of things that, that need to, to be changed and a lot of things that, that have to happen to, to help this team. But all in all, I, you know, it's, it's, it's an it's a opportunity for Utah to be able to move forward and, and really progress and and try to get their goals in with what they need to be. So, uh, but we're we're gonna we're gonna end the podcast here. We appreciate you for listening today. We we look forward to the the time when Rob can come back and and be able to to chat again a little bit about football. Um, if you haven't given uh, our cell, our our podcast a rating on on your favorite podcast platform, do so. It helps us to be able to get other people to see it. Uh, share this with your friends. Hit us up. Let us know any anything that you want us to talk about. Uh, anybody that you wanted us to talk to, uh, we're happy to share. We want to make sure that we we use this podcast as an opportunity to uh, give you guys information for the ones that are listening to it. Uh, so we appreciate any opportunities to be able to, to get better and, and improve as we move along the way. But thanks again for, for listening to the Utah Checkdown podcast. Uh, we appreciate all this, uh, all this opportunity to be able to chat with you, and uh, we will chat again later this week.